This month, we're beginning a new series titled A Generous Life. Our church is celebrating 190 years of worshiping God here in Leroy in the year 1831. That's the same year as the first American steam engine and 30 years prior to the start of the Civil War. Leroy UMC has created an incredible legacy in our community, and we are so proud to continue what was started such a long time ago. I pray you enjoy the message. Here's Pastor Matthias. Well, friends, this morning we are starting a very special new worship series together. Uh, we are shifting away from our kind of Halloween series on uh, waking the dead, and this morning, as 2021 has been, it turns out, the 190th anniversary of our church family. This morning, we are talking about, uh, I guess, our legacy as a church family. Um, according to church conference records, the first circuit-riding Methodist preacher uh, was here, preaching good news and gathering folks together as early as 1831, which is hard for me to get my mind around. The Civil War hadn't happened yet when our church family first started gathering. Technically, our church may even be older than the town itself. It started in 1835, uh, which is more historical information than you need to know. But this month, we are honoring the 190th anniversary of our church family by talking about something that reading all of the histories and hearing all the stories about our church family, something that has defined our church family in all those 190 years. Uh, we are talking about what it looks like to live a generous life. Uh, and as we start our new series together, this morning our reading comes from the book of Genesis, a really important passage, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, the famous call of Abraham. But friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abraham took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered and all the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. More than 4,000 years ago, our God called an unknown, ordinary man and made him a promise. If you follow me, God said, if you go where I lead you, if you worship as I ask you, if you serve as I show you, then I will bless you. That's where the story of our faith begins. All of this, and not just our church, our religion, our whole system of belief, all began right 
there, the moment that God first spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12. This was the beginning of the nation of Israel. This was the beginning of God's covenant history with us as a people. This was the beginning of a whole seismic shift in the biblical story from the death and destruction and curses at creation to the promise, the hope, and the future of this special family that would become God's special people. I mean, it's, it's genuinely hard to convey just how important, how significant this short little passage is for us as people of faith. However, as miraculous, as significant, and as famous as Abraham's call may be, there are two things about this first promise and this first blessing that historically most people either tend to miss or sometimes outright ignore because it might make us uncomfortable. There are two thorns in the side of this first blessing that God gives. And the first thing we tend to miss is this, that the blessing God gives Abraham doesn't just concern Abraham, but it concerns everything in Abraham's life. People, places, plans, and even things. To put it in even more uncomfortable terms, the faith that God calls Abraham to isn't just spiritual or emotional, it's a faith that affects his job, his possessions, and his bank account. And at that moment, the parents who told us it was rude to talk about money cringe. <laughs> Go from your country from your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will bless you. God promises Abraham in verse 1 and by verse 5 we're told that Abraham is moving not just with his wife Sarai and their nephew Lot but with all his possessions and even with all the people who are linked to him. Did anyone catch that in the scripture? You see in the ancient world a family was essentially a small community. It isn't just Abraham and his immediate family who are wandering off into the strange unknown land of Canaan. It's all their cousins, all their in-laws, all their flocks and herds of livestock and all the workers and all the field hands who are connected to him. Abraham, as the head of a family, is the head of a community, a small business that has lots of people and lots of resources, and God's call and God's promise has implications for all of it. Of course, that makes absolutely no sense to us today. Having your religious beliefs affect your family, your career, your employees, that's absurd. Today we live in a modern world that teaches us that our religious beliefs are one of many separate parts of our life that may or may not have anything to do with all the other parts of our life. What I believe about God has nothing to do with the career I choose, the hobbies I enjoy, the friends I keep, or how I spend my money. Faith, our culture says, is one separate aspect of your life, but that is not how 
God seems to see things. It's important to be clear about that, especially when it comes to that last one. I mean, let's face it and be honest, we aren't comfortable talking about money in church because we live in a culture that tells us that being religious, being a person of faith, has nothing to do with how I earn, keep, or spend my money. But that's not the way Scripture sees things. You don't even have to go very far into the Bible to realize that God doesn't see things the way our modern world does. Far from it, the Bible talks about a God who from the very beginning prioritized generosity over a prophet by telling ancient money lenders in Exodus, if you lend money to one of my people who is needy, do not treat it like a business deal, charge no interest. The Bible records prophets who warn us in places like Ecclesiastes 5 that whoever loves money will never have enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. We really forgot that one in the 21st century. The Bible tells us about a teacher from Galilee who cautions us in Matthew 6 that no one can serve two masters. You cannot love God and money. And the Gospel speaks about a Savior who challenges our consumer culture by asking in Matthew 16, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world if they lose their soul along the way? We worship a God who, it turns out, has a lot to say about our resources, about how we think about money, how we value money, how we use money, and what we use it for. Because the thing is, contrary to what this world may tell us, our God isn't just out to bless us. Our God is out to make us into a blessing. Far from being a single aspect of who you are, faith is meant to be an all-encompassing commitment that affects every part of your life, including, yes, how we use our money, our resources. But as challenging as it is to think of faith as something that affects every part of our life, as uncomfortable as you may be hearing about money in church, as awkward as I may feel preaching about money in church, we have no choice but to talk about it sometimes because the simple fact is God didn't bless Abraham for himself. No, God blessed Abraham so he could be a blessing to others. That's the second thing about this famous promise that people tend to miss. God's blessing is to Abraham, but it's for others. Because God calls Abraham to live a generous life. I find it interesting in reading commentaries and histories of interpretations about this passage that while everyone seems to remember God's promise to make Abraham into a great nation and to give him descendants that are as numerous as the stars, nearly everyone forgets the reason why God is going to do these things. But listen to verse 2 again. God tells Abraham, 
I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. By you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God promised to bless Abraham and to bless him in every single way. New opportunities, new land, new family, yes, even new things and resources. But it wasn't just so Abraham could be wealthy or live a life of luxury. No, every gift and ability that Abraham was born with, every piece of land and harvest that Abraham would see, every dollar that Abraham would earn, every blessing in his life existed because God had the unimaginable, unbelievable intention of making Abraham into a blessing to every single person he might meet and to every single person beyond him he might never meet. That's the part of the story that tele-evangelists on TV always seem to forget. Yes, God blesses us, but not for our own sake, and not so you can buy me a mansion or a private jet. Though if one of you wants to, I won't stop you, but for the record, that was a joke. I'm not going the prosperity gospel route. But God doesn't just bless us for our own sake throughout the pages of Scripture. God's blessings are always to us, but never just for us. God loves us so we can love others. God forgives us so we can forgive others. God empowers us so we can serve others. And God blesses us so that we can be God's blessing in the life of another. Our God is out to give us a generous life. A life that overflows, that spills over and impacts every life around us. Our God is out to make us into a walking, talking, serving blessing. And our God is out to make us into an instrument of blessing because our God is out to give us a joyful, meaningful life. Real joy doesn't just come from having and possessing. Real joy comes from giving and serving something greater than ourselves. As the famous playwright George Bernard Shaw once very poetically put it, this is the true joy in life, the being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one the being thoroughly worn out before you are thrown on the scrap heap, the being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. Isn't that beautiful imagery? God wants us to have the true joy, that sense of a higher purpose, the thrill of being God's instrument working in the life of another. And that means living a life where we don't just sit around complaining that the world will not make us happy, but where we thank God for every single blessing God has placed in our lives and where we answer God's call to live a generous life through which the whole world 
is blessed in time. That's the real good news behind those two uncomfortable parts of this passage that people so often tend to miss. That's the reason God blesses us and the reason God's call concerns every part of our life. Because God blesses us to be a blessing and to find the joy and the meaning that can only come from giving all of ourselves in living a generous life for others and for our God. More than 4,000 years after God called Abraham and 190 years ago, our God called 11 unknown ordinary people and made them a promise. A man named Silas Waters in 1831 started to gather together a little group of men and women with last names like Conway, Barnett, and Merrifield. Every week they would meet in somebody's living room, not even in a church. It almost started as a Bible study, and they would meet to ask how it was with their souls how they could pray for one another, how they could encourage one another, and to see how they could be a blessing. They were determined to let God into every part of their lives, and they wouldn't hesitate to roll up their sleeves or to use the resources God gave them to become a blessing to this town and to these people. The legacy of this church is 190 years of men and women living for something greater than themselves, serving something more than money, and living a generous life as generation after generation rose up to answer God's call to be a blessing. And that story goes on. We are still here answering that same timeless call that has rung out from Abraham to Silas Waters to this very day. If you follow me, God says, if you go where I lead you, if you worship as I ask you, if you live as I will show you, then I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. Follow me and I will give you a life of purpose, a life of service. I will give you a generous life, our God promises, that will bless all the families of this world in time, one act of kindness at a time. That is the story we tell in this place. That is the history that we honor this month and with Abraham and all those who came before us. That is the life that we chase. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. God of all our blessings, all that we have, all that we are, give us a generous life that we might be a blessing to others. Lord, show us causes and ministries that are greater than our own lives. Show us your ministries that feed, that clothe, that heal, that love, and that we can be a part of with every hour we volunteer, with every penny we offer. Lord, make us into generous people 
that we might shine as lights of compassion and purpose in a world of selfish greed and want. God, of all our blessings, give us a generous life that we might be your blessing and be part of the story of this body of Christ. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. From all of us here at Leroy UMC, may God bless you and keep you safe this week. Go in peace.